Great to be here with you, Candy. Yes, and Christmas is next week. It is next week. Yeah, very close. That's Have you finished your shopping? Uh, kind of, I think. Yeah, look, I'm uh, Chinese and also not from a Christian family. So traditionally, we haven't done heaps for Christmas. So I'm more just working on things on my in-law side and what needs to be done there. <laughs> what about you, Raj? How's the preparation? Oh, going? look, slowly, slowly. But look, I'm just looking forward to a huge time at St Paul's, really. Mm. And, and, you know, 23rd, Friday 23rd, opportunity to invite lots of people. Um to hear the gospel, to have some fun, to celebrate. And yeah, so there's a few talks that are done, there's some more to go, but we're looking forward to a huge time. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so we're coming back to the Sunday that have passed, and we looked at Zephaniah 3, Yeah, that's right, and John, and for some who are in North Rocks and in Afternoon Church, it was 1 John 3, which uh, was preached on by Caleb. We've got a bunch of questions that have come through. Um, well, the first one, Raj, is that you mentioned something about gift cards. Now, what did you say about gift cards again? I, in my intro, it was a bit of fun. I just talked about, you know, different things people look forward to over Christmas. I made a comment about the nature of gift cards, but becoming an increasingly popular gift. And the stats are that um, there are something like 60% of people who like receiving a gift card. 18% are on the fence, they're not so sure. And 23%, would you believe, of people um, um, don't want gift cards and don't use gift cards. Wow. And I just made the comment, if there's any lying around, I'll take one. Yeah, so apparently <laughs> this person says, I've got some old Sephora gift cards that you can have, right? Would you like those? Well, if they're still valid, I'll find a use. <laughs> <laughs> you know Sephora is a makeup company, right? I you said I'll know. find a use. You'll I, find I, a use? I have Nicole and I have my daughter, Lauren, and we'll find a use. Okay. <laughs> right. Coming back to the passage, so if you're listening um, along to the extras, we generally tackle questions that come through from our Connect cards and from our text line. Um, if you've got questions on a Sunday, the text line number is just on the outline that you can text through your questions. And usually we try to tackle questions on the passage first. So if you've got a Bible here with you, um, open up to Zephaniah 3. This question is particular, um, in particular on Zephaniah 3 verses 12. It's talking about God leaving in the midst um, a people that's humble and lowly and this remnant that will seek refuge in the name of the Lord. So does this infer, this question's asking, that there will be people who are not saved but perish instead if there's a remnant? Yes. Do you want to expand on that? Oh. How do you, how do you get that, Raj? <laughs> well, look, the all through the Bible, this is a major kind of you know theme of the nature of Israel. And there is judgment, and we see Israel's divided in two when different parts of Israel are judged. Um, I think the New Testament, Romans 9 to 11, it picks up the concepts and puts the image of some branches being removed from genuine Israel and other branches, so non-Israelites, being grafted in. Yeah. And all of that is to help us We understand. did that last year, eh? We did Romans, do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jack and Sam, if I remember correctly. And... I still remember that, actually. I mean, I've, I've looked at it several times, but just it's a very powerful image to help us understand the true Israel, the true remnant of Israel. Um, and, of course, in the Bible, not just the implications, quite explicit, that those who don't trust in the name of the Lord, so picking up in the words of Zephaniah 3, verse 11, the remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord, and those who don't trust in 
name of the Lord are not part of the true remnant of Israel. And indeed, Romans um, 3 and many other places, Hebrews 9, talk about the default judgment that comes. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1, just Mm. all through the Bible there is judgment that is coming. Um, And it is trusting in the name of the Lord. It's trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That means people can be part of the true remnant of Israel and be God's people and be saved. Yeah. Our second question comes on a passage that Caleb has actually preached in 1 John 3, but I think we can tackle it. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it talks about everyone who thus hopes in him, that is in Christ, purifies himself as he, that is um, Jesus, is pure. Um, uh, yeah, so it talks about, oh wait, when God appears, yeah. So sorry, we everyone who does hopes in God will purify himself as, as God is pure. Yeah. So in this question is saying, um, isn't our purification all done by Jesus? So in what way does John mean that we purify ourselves? Can we actually contribute anything to our own purification? Yeah, thank you, um, Candy, and the person who was sent in this question. Um, it's a great question, and, and you're right, I didn't, in my particular sermon, didn't pick up on it, but Caleb and I certainly talked about this, and it comes out of Zephaniah that talks about purification. And so 1 John 3, verse 1, starts off, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Uh, and and 1 John 3 actually goes on, one of my favourite passages in 1 John chapter 4, just talks about uh, we only love because God first loved us by sending Jesus. Yeah. So there's already a purification work that has been done to us. Yes. 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 And that means we're justified to pick up on the language of Romans. Um, but it also means that we have this hope for the future mm. that the Bible also picks up on. Um, 1 Peter one three talks about the hope coming from the resurrection. And talks about 1 Corinthians 15 talks about our resurrection. And and here it picks up on the same thing. Verse 3, all so 1 John 3, verse 3, all who have this hope in him um, purify themselves. And so that is, we have a hope of um, of being saved and, and taken to be with Christ when he appears. That's what verse 2 is about. Now that we are already children of God. And that then in turn means that living that hope we long for christ and we live for christ and i think that's what it's talking about the bible talks about sanctification is a technical term we're becoming more like christ and you know it's not the only part of the bible that talks about this in such strong language Um, james chapter 2 connects faith and deeds for example and goes so far as in james 2 to say if you don't have deeds if you don't have deeds that is a sign you don't have active faith so I, I think this is a very important um, principle for us to grasp. I feel like in the last uh, maybe 30 or 40 years, in some places, the balance or the understanding has just been lost. That is, we talk about being children of God and the great joy that that is, and it is a great joy. Um, but we don't talk about the implication about living for the hope of Christ appearing and what that looks like in this world mm. and in our lives. So I think that's what it's been, you know, that's what it's picking up on here. You might have something to add to this, Candy. Please do. Yeah, I think one yeah. of the difficult things is, um, and I've noticed this for myself as I've grown in my Christian faith, is we can have 
one word like purify and understand it in one way so for example in hebrews 9 in 23 it says so i'm just reading this out it says it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites but the heavenly things themselves to be with better sacrifices than these so it goes on to talk about the purification that comes through the sacrifice of jesus's blood um, and then it goes uh, and it goes um so christ in verse 28 having been offered once to bear the sins of many so this is talking about our purification and so we can read that and then we go oh wait but i'm reading 1 john 3 3 that we should purify ourselves but isn't that something that christ does yeah um and then that confuses us because a word is used one way for to to talk about one thing and then used in another way here to talk about another thing and we go that seems contradictory but actually the truth is both of those things are true yeah so um in james 4 8 for example it uses the same kind of underlying word for purification it says cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded yeah so there's an a, a very explicit instruction for us to purify our hearts um now we don't do that off our own bat but we do that by the power of God's Spirit who lives in us, who helps us to be able to live by the Spirit, right? In Galatians, it talks about walking by the Spirit, new life through the Spirit. Um, and so it's not as if we're, we're separated from God and just relying on ourselves, but this is something that God does within us as well, as well as something that God does for us in Christ. Yeah. And so both of those things are true. And I think as you kind of progress in reading the Bible, you'll realize you know, for example, we are made righteous only through the blood of Christ. Yeah. But we should also live righteously. You know, so so like those yeah. two things um, can be held together. And, and those both of those things are in this text in one John three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Verse so one John three verse two, dear friends. Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. And then yeah. that's the ground, and then it goes on to the implication, which is yeah. purified. So they're both there, and yeah, we need to consider words as they use in different places as well yeah. yeah and one of the ways in which god actually saves us is to lift us from that sin so that we can look like christ it's like a it's a god is beautifying us and it's a very wonderful part of the way that he's saving us you know it's like um so this keeps getting used in a youth youth context but i think it's a great one it's as if you know you're going you know those this you know those drop toilets right in the campsite Raj is looking like he knows where this is going but this is a youth this is literally a youth illustration that has stuck with Lachlan for many years but it's like imagine if you find yourself you've fallen asleep somehow and you have dropped into the drop toilet and you wake up and you're covered okay at this point do you want to go you know and you've been cleansed then do you want to go I want to jump back in there like it's it's the relationship with sin that we have is changed because we are now redeemed by Christ and we see sin for what it is and we want to get away from it. Yeah. So it's not as if we're still relying on ourselves, but actually it's it's through Christ that this is even possible and it's a part of the freedom and salvation that we have in him. So anyway, I'm sorry to inflict that image for those of us who are very... Well, very visual, but look, you'll now never forget it if you... If you have um, thought about it, have you haven't thought about it this way before? Uh, for morning church, Raj, you have a, you've read through um, John, and it says, "Why did we read John one but not reference it in the sermon?" And since we did read it, what does it mean that Nathaniel is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit? Thank you um, for both of those questions and and just observations. I'm delighted that someone noticed. 
you know, in, in um, what some would call the good old days, there was a thing called a lectionary, and there were readings, and the idea was that over a period of time you would just read through the whole Bible um, in church, the public reading of Scripture that uh, 1 Timothy 4 talks about, um, and not necessarily having any connection to the sermon. Yeah. And and so in this Advent series, we, you know, we're not doing the lectionary per se, but yeah, we are having some readings um, that aren't necessarily connected with the sermon. I'm delighted we're doing that. And um, one, so John chapter 1 was a reading in some of our congregations that we had. And uh, there is a verse there, uh, John chapter 1, verse... 47. 47. Um, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And this... The, the context here, some of you will be looking it up, some won't. If, if, if you're not, the context here is Jesus, who left for Galilee and found Philip and then found Nathaniel, and he asked each of them to follow him. Um, and, and so verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, he truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And what he's talking about is the attitude of Philip. I think it's quite striking this comes in chapter 1, in John, in John's Gospel, in chapter two, he moves on and he now confronts the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jewish leadership that were Israelites, but they had quite different attitudes to Jesus. Yeah. In fact, it's John chapter two that is the scene of Jesus clearing the t- temple courts because the Jewish leadership had um, um, had perverted the purpose of the temple courts. Mm. In fact, thinking about that makes me look forward to. The trip to Israel that some of us are doing next year, um, where we will see that these exact places. But Nathaniel, by contrast, he's not like the Jewish leadership. He is a genuine person. He is a genuine Israelite. That is, um, and Zephaniah, he is a guy who goes back to and he understands that the Messiah, the promised Messiah, is coming. So in Zephaniah three, we talked about that on Sunday. That's all about um, um, purification coming. That's all about um, salvation coming. That's all about rejoicing coming. And Nathaniel was someone was someone um, who had not corrupted those promises, and so in this very text, um, he is the humble who had been waiting. Yeah, he's the humble that's been waiting. And so, verse forty-five: Philip found Nathaniel and told him, "We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph." There's the interaction between Philip um, and Nathaniel. And, and at the invitation of Philip to come and see, that's exactly what Nathaniel does. Um, and then verse 49, Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Mm. So, so there is the genuineness. Earlier we had the question about remnant of Israel. And you, you see the way Nathaniel has been waiting, firstly, and you see then the way how he responds to Jesus, the promised Messiah who has come and recognises him as the Messiah. Yeah. So that's what it means. Jesus knew that's what was going to happen, as he always knows what's going to happen. Uh, and so in him there was no deceit. Yeah. I think it's a challenge for us, actually, how we approach Jesus. Yeah, I think it's a challenge as well because Advent is celebrating Jesus' first coming, but it's also about waiting for his second coming. Yeah. So in 2 Thessalonians um, 1, it talks about like when Jesus comes back, what it will be like. And... The fact that we ought to be those who um, 
he's who marvel at him when he comes and then um, also in the gospels it talks about jesus kind of has these parables about the 10 virgins and things like that all about watching and waiting because yeah. jesus is going to come at a time that no one expects yeah but we have to wait for his return because yeah. we don't know when we that's going to come we don't know when it's going to yeah. yeah and look i zeph and i i tried to talk you know, the expectations that you've just been talking about candy that's Israel were told to wait, then Jesus came and they were intensified, mm. then the rest of the New Testament, we're, we're told exactly what you just said, to keep having expectations for the future. Yeah, yeah. to keep waiting. The best is yet to come. Yeah. Um, the last question has a quote from your sermon. It talks about other things. Now, I don't know where exactly you mentioned this in your sermon because I can't remember it word for word. It says, what other things, quote, does Jesus expect from us? Why not expand on that thought? So I'm guessing they're quoting from you. Maybe you said other things, or maybe they just say there are other things that Jesus expects from us. Yeah, look, I have interpreted the question as the latter because yeah. I'm sorry, maybe I did make a comment, but I, I don't remember, remember making a yeah. comment about other things. But look, it's true, there's other things. And in Zephaniah, I, I, or in the sermon on Sunday, I really just wanted to you know, faithfully talk about Zephaniah chapter 3 and talk about the things mentioned there and where they go, particularly in the context of Advent. But of course, the Bible talks about a whole bunch of things that one broadly may put into the category. If Zephaniah is talking about having Jesus as Saviour, then the rest of the Bible talks about what it means to have Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Mm. And we've talked about some of those working on purification, 1 John 3, for example. We've talked about being the remnant of Israel. And part of that, um, and so the rest of the Bible is is um, there's so many things that are talked about. So, working on purification, for example, is is one thing. Um, continuing to wait for Jesus, I think that's connected to Zephaniah three. Mm. Um, one John three or one John talks about loving brothers and sisters as a very mm. tangible thing. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of other things and so I love the, the question is just coming from a place of, you know, what does that look like? And um, I just want to keep encouraging you, you know, this is why we have church each week, this is why we have growth group, we dig into God's word, we try mm. to fill out our understanding of what that means and what it looks like in all kinds of ways. Yeah. yeah. I think it's helpful as well to um, you know, you were saying Jesus has saved us and then focusing on him as a Lord. That's so important. But also just understanding the nature of what it means to be saved by God. So, you know, we have been ransomed, like Jesus is the price that has been paid, right? So in the Bible, when Paul talks about, so honor God with your bodies, it, it kind of puts the reason as you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Yeah. Like so honor God with your body yeah. because you're bought at a price. So it's sort of like, you know, the idea of nowadays there's all these sort of cyber attacks and, and people's information, including my own, with many bankers have been leaked everywhere on the dark web. But um the idea or you no, know, these people have held the information hostage and the company can either pay a ransom to buy back what was theirs or they could not yeah. pay the ransom yeah. and have that belong to someone else. And in the same way, Jesus is his life is the price that God paid to buy us back to belong to him um, and not to belong to the kingdom of darkness, not to belong to ourselves, but to actually belong to God and to be owned by him. So that means we are not our own anymore. We are purchased at a price 
And um, the Bible talks about how precious that price is, not with perishable things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. And that becomes the basis for everything. You know, in view of God's mercy, it becomes the basis for offering our bodies as living sacrifice. Um, it becomes a basis of honoring God with our bodies. Yeah. It becomes a basis of eager expectation and waiting and serving and everything else. And so I think the more, I think in this Advent, it's a really good season to remember exactly what Jesus did for us because, you know, thousands of times we say, right, babies have become kings. Babies grow up to rule, but it has never been the case that someone who is as amazing as God has become a baby for us to save us. So just to worship him and that then leads into the everything else, the understanding of we've been bought at a price and so that should change everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's so much there's so many mm. riches in the bible there's another gold nugget candy thank you for sharing that um yeah and even just thankfulness like that that doesn't seem like an action in a sense but it's such a biblical action well it's an attitude that leads yeah. to all kinds of actions yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um anyway there yeah. you go there okay. you go um, and we will be continuing our Advent series. I believe this coming week we're looking at Micah 5. We are looking at Micah 5, yeah. yeah. So I think Mike is preaching and Sam are preaching in different places depending on which congregation you are. Um, and so once again we're, we're delving back into the Old Testament to, uh, to, to look at how God's people prepared for the very first Christmas um, and just seeing how significant a time it is. Uh, for us um, yeah and there's a ruler who is to be born we come up against remnant again um, but anyway that's yeah it. so um, have a read of Micah 5 come to Sunday prepared with your questions and prepared to hear from our eternal and merciful God thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Extras thanks everyone bye